Welcome to the Westside Personalized Podcast, where real educators share their classroom-tested, learner-approved personalization practices. I'm your host, Andrew Easton. I hope you enjoyed today's discussion and are able to find a few valuable takeaways from the podcast. And so without further ado, let's go to the pod! Westside Personalized Podcast is coming to you today from the ABC building here in our district, which is our district office, and really looking forward to an opportunity to speak with Mark Weichel, uh, who is our assistant superintendent, and is someone who really is largely responsible for personalized learning in the Westside district. And, oh, thank you. I think uh, you are too. Thank you. Well. <laughs> it's been collaborative. It's been really fun. Yeah, so I've absolutely. really appreciated having an opportunity to, to work with you. I'm excited to have you on the podcast here today. <laughs> And uh, so I guess just take a moment to kind of introduce yourself for people that don't know you and kind of your background too. I mean, you might even go back to, I know that you taught a papillion, right? Yeah. And, and kind of start start your story. From wow, there. going way back, huh? Yeah. Okay. How long can this podcast be? Yeah, Clark, yeah Clarkson right. Hospital, 1973, <laughs> if you want to get really technical here. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm from the Omaha area. I, I graduated just down the street in Ralston, actually. And um, yeah, I started my teaching career at Papillion Junior High School. And uh, then I went to Bellevue where I was a 910 principal. Uh, mostly at Bellevue East High School, and then I went to Papillion Vista South. So I was a school administrator for 10 years at, at the high school level, and then I became a director of secondary curriculum in Papillion La Vista, and then about six years ago, this really great job opportunity came open in uh, Westside, and I just, you know, the reputation that Westside has and uh, the, the district that it is, it just, it, it was such a a great opportunity to come over here and to get into the role of as assistant superintendent for teaching and learning. So, yeah, that, that's kind of my quick career background for you. And for me too, I, this is your six for me as well. So I feel like we, you know, both sort of arrived at this district about the same time and yeah. gotten the chance to really. This feels like home uh, to me. Yeah, uh, it, it really point. does. And and um, the thing that I've really appreciated, uh, you know, about Westside, and I think the timing um, was was just so good at the time that I was able to. To come to the district because it was Dr. McCann's second year and so that was when we started doing a lot of the strategic planning work and we had a lot of committees um, that were meeting and a lot of focus groups where we were talking to parents, administrators, teachers, students and other stakeholders and just really figuring out what we want our district to look like and one of the themes that kept coming up over and over uh, was the wording of uh, that we want uh, to customize learning for our students mm-hmm. and our learners then that, that kind of morphed into sort of, well, how are we going to customize or personalize learning? And they're really, you know, if you think back to six years ago, if you go look at books and education around personalized learning or articles, they, they've all been in the last five years. Yeah. Uh, so there really wasn't much out there, you know, on the topic. So as a, as a brand new assistant superintendent with core strategy two of personalizing learning for every student, you know, we, we had some work to do, you know, oh, yeah. to really figure out what that is. And that was something I was going to bring up too, because I, I mean I know you, we, I know your whole kind of background and story with all this, but uh, uh, I know that you were sort of tasked with the responsibility of getting this personalized initiative off the ground, and you sort of mentioned at times you're like personalized what? Yeah, like at the time, and and now you know I know you've written on the topic, but uh, talk a little bit about I guess when you were first given that responsibility yeah. to and I personalized tell- learning in Westside. <laughs> And I would tell you, even when I had looked at coming over to Westside, you know, and and researching and learning a little more about personalized learning, I think that the thing that makes it really difficult um, to study for folks is that it uh, it means so many different things to so many different people. There's not a universal definition for personalized learning. So, you know, you go, you Google it or you look at one article and, and it means one thing. And then you go and look at another place and it means something totally different. And neither person is wrong uh, because because it can be kind of what you want it to be. And so, 
that is really where I started trying to define what it is. What is it going to mean for us? So let's kind of cut through all the different definitions, through different people's opinions. Let's look at all of those. But then let's get a group of people that really care about this work and figure out what it means to us. Mm-hmm. And so Andrew Easton and others uh, were, was, were part of that first group. And, and that's kind of how the leadership task that I took was to get a group of people together. And let's learn about, read about, look at what it could mean, and then define it for ourselves. And I think with any change process, whether it's professional learning communities, whether it's a leadership style, but to really operationalize and define what it is. So to have a common vocabulary around it, because what we didn't want to have happen would be for someone to say, oh my gosh, I'm personalized learning. It's so cool. Come check it out. And then to see the classroom and say, that's not personalized learning. Right. So we wanted people to be able to say, oh yeah, the, here's the elements of personalized learning. Here are the look fors. This is you know, in, in common with what, what we want or what we're calling personalized learning. So for us, it isn't sit down at a, a computer and do a, a computer program. And then when you're done with that program, move on to the next one. That, I don't think that inspires anybody. Mm-hmm. That, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about that student agency, but it's about relational learning and it's about digging deeper and, and critical thinking and problem solving and, and be able to do all those things. And I don't think you can necessarily do that sitting there in front of a computer. Right. So that right away was, that's not what we want it to be. And so your group, you know, that first group of early adopters, that, you know, we put that team together to just study it and, and learn what it is. And uh, that was the real takeaway for me from that group is that I feel like between year one and year two, we walked out with, here's our five elements of personalized learning. Mm-hmm. Uh, one piece doesn't work alone. You know, just moving the desks around in your room you know, for flexible seating doesn't mean you're personalizing learning. Right. You know, it typically takes multiple elements together to uh, make that personalized learning. And so that's, that's probably one of the things that I'm probably most proud of with that, those two teams that we worked with was really to define it and then to connect it to the evaluation model that we use in our districts. So and when you look at our Danielson framework, in order to get to distinguished and to do those things, those are the types of things that are promoted through personalized learning. Some of the things that I kind of hear as you share in all of that and our backstory uh, are as follows, I guess. So one, uh, in my, as I've had an opportunity more to work with educators across the country in collaboration with them, and you're right, it does look, personalized learning looks different uh, to different people in different pockets in different districts because in large part, districts make it uh, their own. They say, here's, you know, kind of a, the elements yeah. that we want to focus in on. Here's the, I know, keywords is, is a ter- domain. It really just kind of depends on where you're at. And what can be a pitfall, I think, sometimes for educators, particularly in the classroom, is that if you go to a personalized learning conference or you learn more about personalized learning online somewhere, you'll say, wow, I feel like our work is so far ahead of somebody else's because I don't think that we're comparing. It's all very various shades of the same color. Yeah. <laughs> And because you have your lens on, you tend to say, well, man, we're, we're killing us and these people are doing this part okay, but really, but it's, we're not all talking in the same language and we're not all building the same model. And I think there's something that's, that's, that's strong about that for a district to be able to own something and tailor it to their teachers and the demographic that they serve and, and all uh, of those things. But I think, too, as we continue to try to get personalized learning to grow, even outside of a district, you know, like in a city and regionally and across the country that it's important to not necessarily like compare by whose work is farther ahead, but more yeah. like piecing in um, what other people are doing and bringing that around so you can continue to extend your own work. And that was this conversation that I had when I was at the personalized learning convening uh, not too long ago, about a month ago now. And I think another like feather in the cap of Westside isn't really the way in which that you decided to roll this out, 
uh, was that it was sort of a grassroots movement. And so instead of it being something where, hey, we're going to come through and ask for 100% compliance and demand that you have an artifact for us by December, um, let's yeah. say, hey, we, we don't even know what this looks like for us yet. So you're one. Let's take some teachers. Let's get their feet wet. Let's start to have these conversations about the why uh, that drives this. And then, to, like you said, to get to a year two of cohort, so again, about 30, 40 more teachers, uh, and say, okay, here's what this group had done. I think we sort of know what we want to be about. Mm-hmm. Insert the elements here, yeah. right? Yep. Uh, and now that we have that, watching those two years worth of practice, start to provide examples for year three, which I thought was most effective. I don't know what your opinion, yeah. and not because of the group of educators, but because of the history of that work within our district prior to group three's yeah. experience. They were able to build on the group prior to them. So year one, you know, really kind of started from scratch. Year two got to learn from year one, year three from two and one. Mm-hmm. And, and it really was kind of a slow roll approach because once we defined what, what it was to us, then that first group went back and they tried things. They, you did some things like with the 10 goals thing and mm-hmm. Nick DeJernis with his, you know, that K6 music example that he uses. I, I love that example because he took one day, you know, take that stale unit and do something different with it for you and for the kids and then see how it worked. And I think once we had a few examples under our belt that we could share with others. And then what I thought was so cool is that people would try something out like you. You're a great example. You tried it on your own, shared it with your collaborative team. Uh, but they didn't do that unit. You did it on your own that way. You did it a little mm-hmm. different than they did. And mm-hmm. then the next year they said, hey, that looked really cool. Or you know, later in the year, yeah. we want to come in and do that. Like we want to do one with you. So then you ask, hey, can we get a day to plan out a unit where we're doing this personalized learning piece so that others are using it? So we didn't tell them to do it. We didn't ask them to do it. They saw what you were doing. They saw how the kids responded and they wanted to do it. And we saw that happen throughout the district. So again, it was that slow roll. And then the other thing, too, when talking about how different districts have different elements or standards or components of personalized learning, the cool thing is is I can hear almost every district and I can say, oh, there's voice and choice. Absolutely. There's know your learner. Oh, there's using data. <laughs> there's flexibility. Like those pieces, I think there's some pretty universal components to it. And I think that as we as a district move forward and other districts move forward in personalized learning, I still think the thing that we, the, the commonality that we all have is that it works. You know, and that we look at that and measure it. We don't do personalized learning because it's fun. And we don't do personalized learning because it's kind of cool. Or because but, we want to talk about clowns all day. Yeah, that's right. My clown <laughs> example. Come on, man. That's my story. You know, you know. But uh, you do bring that yeah. up, though. That, like, it's not something that you're able to just pick whatever topic you want and just spend your entire day. Yeah. We still have standards. We still have indicators. We still... Yeah, but it's tied to something. And, and if you do personalized learning and you really uh, take into that model of instruction and and the students are not learning as much as they did the year before, then maybe you want to look at that practice. Mm-hmm. We're doing it because we think that it works better or as well um, as, as any of our previous instructional strategies. And students are more engaged. Yeah. They want to be there. And they're going to leave your class and go to the next class with a little, little more enthusiasm because they enjoy that type of learning. But it is for learning specific standards and indicators. Yeah, and I think in addition to the engagement piece, when you start to understand your own learner preferences, and this is something we talk about all the time, and it's the whole reason behind having a learner profile, is you just become so much more, I don't know if we call it like metacognitive or just being meta about your learning, uh, but when you start to realize all the decisions that you as a student make during a class period to better understand a topic, to engage in that topic, to express what you know, to get into that UDL model of things, it... Uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty impressive to hear a student. And how could you not be engaged when you, you have that level of ownership? Yeah. 
when if you can go into a classroom and talk to a student and they know what they're learning, why they're learning it, how they're doing on it, whether mm-hmm. it's good or bad. Sure. You know, I'm, I'm doing great on this or I'm not doing so great on this because I don't understand this and I know what I need to do to do better. And they have opportunities to, to talk with the teacher and opportunities to talk with others in their classroom. That's that's a good look. That's yeah. that's kind of what um, what brain research will say. Uh, Mary Helen Emmerdino Yang out of USC, and when she talks about brain-based research, that's exactly what she's talking about. That metacognition that students are able to think about what they're learning, and it's not just being handed to them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and so to kind of recap, then cohort one, the early adopters yeah. group that I was a part of, was a six-day training. And went to four days for cohort two and three for cohort three. And so we're talking about the shortest duration of time was actually the most effective, but that sort of gets to the value that was, uh, you know, the slow rollout, having some forerunners that were going to be there to, to just sort of like get things started. And it did begin to take off in the way that you talked about where teams, uh, even if they hadn't had everyone in that group, be a part of one of these cohort experiences, they were figuring out what personal learning was. And there was professional development, kind of pockets of choice opportunities uh, across the district for people to get at least a little bit more if they were curious. But then it reached a point where we needed to scale up. That's right. Uh, And so talk us through, I guess, a little bit about uh, what led to the, what ended up being our grant and, and everything that sort of has Gosh, it's just sped up so much since then. Yeah, you know, the timing just couldn't have been any better. You know, honestly, uh, we did the three years of early adopters, and we had talked about, you know, year four, we're going to have to drop the early name here. It's, it's yeah. really not an early adopter group. It's kind of like a kind of early adopter group if we got into year four. And, and you're right, we did less days as it went along because it was a little less messy. Yeah. Because we knew what we wanted to, to teach and to learn. And then the other thing is, is we started to, to front load that group before they came in uh, because we started reading that Brian McClaskey book. Um, where we would you know, kind of do some of that processing, some of the basics, before we even started that, you know, that unit. So that was always mm-hmm. kind of nice. Um, but in the spring of year three, there was a grant uh, that was offered through the Nebraska Department of Education, an innovation uh, grant, and we applied for it and got really lucky um, so that we could kind of go from sort of this small-scale model around personalized learning to doing it with all the resources that we, could, that we would need in a district our size. So we were able to hire three, three teachers, uh, one of them is Andrew mm-hmm. um, and, and Katie and Kristen, and they've just been an absolutely amazing team. And the thing I love about that group of people is they go to bed dreaming about it. Like, what, what can we do to help teachers personalize for their learners? And it, it's just been a beautiful thing to see. And, you know, right out of the shoot, uh, our goal was to make sure that everybody in our district, every single teacher had a positive experience with personalized learning. And that could look different. You know, it's really hard to have something that's personalized for kids and then have a personalized uh, professional learning opportunity and then make it lockstep for every teacher. So we needed to personalize it for our teachers, too. And so, you know, some people are, you know, just at a level that they could go and present on this nationally. And some teachers are just kind of dipping their toe in it and, Mm -hmm. and trying some things out. And that's okay. And the nice thing about the grant that enabled us to have the three people who specialize in it and spend their whole time thinking about it is they can go and help support those teachers, they can sit in collaborative teams. They can, uh, let's, let's look at your units that have gotten stale. How about this unit? Let's talk about how we could add more voice and choice in that. How could we make sure that you know your learner better? And then that group also, they can, they can co-teach with you. They can, they can stand on the sidelines. They can rehash it when you're done to reflect on what went well. What could we do different? Can they report, can record a podcast. They can report a podcast. They can create a web page. They can <laughs> create lots of podcasts in the case of Andrew Easton. So it's, it, 
it just couldn't have been better timing and the results of, of what you guys have been able to do has really been really inspiring. It, it really has. And when we chart our data, so this is the boring part of the podcast here with the I, I, alert. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just with some data, I mean, we, we've seen, you know, we measure all of our five elements every year in our personalized learning components and our strategic plan. And our teachers are doing more of it and they're getting better at it and they're seeing the value of it. And that, that to me has been really really cool and really inspiring. We're not just doing it for fun. We're doing it because it works. And I feel like year two in this role, it continues to evolve. You know, there are more more groups, particularly the secondary level, who are able to now take data from last year uh, and compare it to this year and see that marked improvement. I recently have started to get into elementaries a little bit more. I was like really excited. Yesterday I got into six buildings. That's the most I've been in in two years Dang, in one that's, day. That's so moving like, around. moving. And I think one of the challenges at the elementary level that we've faced in year one has really been that elementary teachers design five, six, seven different lessons in a given day. And there's a certain amount of intentionality and and effort and time that has to be allocated to adding a lot of these pieces in to personalize, you know, like an experience, which is not to say that you can't do it. Um, You can certainly do it for a lesson. You can do it for your procedures like you've talked about already, but to design an entire unit it's tough for them because they're also doing five other units at the same time. Yeah. And so uh, with all that going on, what we've started to do is to say, okay, well, we have this built already. Let's try to build this other piece and then promote the heck out of that to the next elementary and the next elementary. And if I can bring to you three or four things that are already prepackaged, done, ready to roll, and you use those and go, oh, this is actually, yeah. like this stuff's working. This is good. I'm so grateful to have it. How can I contribute to this and add one more piece now I go to the next elementary to that same grade level and now I have five pieces and then yeah. I'll have and, and I think that in terms of scaling things up, which is part of what I wanted to chat about with uh, you, you know, I mean, it's yeah. kind of the focus of this conversation has really been finding ways to not just let this be in pockets or get stagnant, but, but to continue to grow both on the data front, like I said, at the high school where people are starting to be able to track that now, um, all the way to the challenges that sometimes are posed at the elementary level, but uh, uh, it's been really fun. That is such a great point, you know, as well, when we talk about personalized learning, because it's going to look different in a kindergarten, second grade classroom than it does a sixth grade or, or a, the middle school or the high school. It's, yeah, it's and for, look for the teacher, as much as for the students, you know, because I feel like when, when I typically That's would right. say that, it does look different for K2 versus high school. We think in terms of the students, because the high school student can do something in some capacities that... You know, K two are still learning kindergarten. They're like, what? What is school? <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. But but even as an educator, the re- demands of your responsibility in both of those contexts are so vastly different. They're so different. Uh, you know, and we're different and people. And so a high school teacher might have 125, 130 kids or more. You know, oh, yeah, I had 151 times. on my case. 151. Okay, well, that's a lot. <laughs> and then someone else might have you know at an elementary level, it's 25, but it's different challenges. Absolutely. You know, it, it's hard to maybe hand over as much voice and choice to a kindergarten student as you did in your ninth grade English class. And that's okay. And so I think it's recognizing those differences. And, you know, and one thing I thought was so cool with those cohorts, because we had elementary, middle and high together when we did those. And I saw specific examples of where maybe, you know, the example of of your classroom at the English classroom, Mm -hmm. uh, an English teacher in second grade might be like, you know what, I can't do that whole thing. But I can do a piece of that. Yeah. So the learning that went, you know, back and forth, but it does look so different. And and I know for a fact in talking to teachers that they've loved the resources you've put together. You know, I know like you and Allie put together, you know, choice boards. Or I know like the fifth grade math. I know you've done some things 
that every we have 10 elementary buildings. Yeah. So every single fifth grade teacher in the district has access to this unit, this lesson, and this opportunity for voice and choice that took hours, maybe right. hundreds of hours to create, you know, that you've done with a couple of other teachers, that now 25 teachers can use it. Yeah, and that's been, you when you say too, with, with a group of teachers, it's been fun also with this opportunity to pull maybe, you know, two teachers from Westgate, met with Allie and myself, uh, and so now you kind of have multiple buildings collaborating on a project that then gets shared out laterally across those 10 buildings, and uh, it is, it's really fun to kind of see the work grow in that way. And so you um, put the collaborator in personalized learning collaborators, <laughs> you know, and I, and I would just share this story real quick um, that when the team got together and the three people were hired on to do this work, we talked about what their name was going to be. And we talked about coaches. I'm not sure what other coordinators, coordinators, all these different things. And we said, you know what, really what their work is, and let's, let's make it so explicit that it's in the title, personalized learning collaborators, because we, we want the teachers to be the learners as well. Mm-hmm. And so we're sitting right alongside doing the work with them, but you're not doing it for them. No. It really is them defining the unit that they want to do, sharing the ideas they have, and then you helping guide and then put it together. Yeah. And so I, I really, I think that that's an important thing because you, the three of you could probably sit in a corner and create these lessons and activities, but no one's going to use them. Yeah. But making, making this a team effort collaboratively, I think that's, I've been a really valuable piece to this and why it's worked so well. Well, that kind of brings up to someone asked me, well, aren't you just like a personalized learning coach or what's the difference between a coach and a collaborator? And I, from what I understand, cause I've never been a coach. Uh, but I, I talk- you, coach, what's that sweatshirt well, you have on? I coach cross country. Yeah. Oh, okay. Outside so of that, which know. you're wearing too, by the way. Yeah. Uh, so I've never been a coach myself for supporting teachers, but from what I know about those conversations, it, it tends to be, uh, you know, I came in and I watched your class. How do you think you did? Guide a teacher through some self-reflection and then offer some suggestions with regards to sort of um, next steps to take. Uh, and our role, I, when people ask me, like, what the heck do you do? I don't have an elevator speech for that. I just talk about brainstormer. Uh, and so most of the time, and this actually happened yesterday when I was at the middle school, uh, a teacher was kind of sharing with me what she was wanting to do and, and the place in her curriculum where she had the spot to do this and what did I think. And I mean, it took probably 25 minutes of me just asking questions. And she continued. I, I felt the pressure to have an answer. And I did. I always say, it's not that I have no ideas. I have like 10 ideas and I need you to like keep talking because this isn't my show. Yeah. <laughs> like, so and you can I narrow think, it down. Now I, now I have eight that I think will work. Yeah, yeah. and I think as, uh, as a collaborator or you know, if someone were to be in kind of this, this position, my, one of my biggest recommendations would be, and this in part came from Jim Rickabaugh too, is to say that I need to make sure that the individual that I'm working with and brainstorming with, that this is, they take ownership of it because it is their idea and because they're comfortable with that. And, and yesterday, just to kind of talk through that process even further, I did. Finally, a half hour later, <laughs> here's what I think we might be able, you know, how do you feel about this? And it was still collaborative in the sense that she went through and was like, this is probably a little too much, but I'd love to, like, I feel comfortable with this part, so let's take this piece, and um, and it'll grow from there. And knowing that maybe two years from now, everything that I sort of threw up there might end up being where it eventually goes. Yeah. Uh, it was really cool to just, I, I love that. I love that teachers are taking ownership of this, and we're respecting them as professionals enough to not require things, uh, 100% compliance mm-hmm. from them, that it's more so, hey, where where do you dream 
your class is going to be in some some aspect of it uh, and let us help you try to get there yeah and the other thing I would say that I've loved about the collaborators is you've given examples like if you go on to all the, your old podcasts and you know if you're if you're listening to this podcast and you're like okay you probably don't have an example for somebody in welding like yeah go, go and listen to a podcast on <laughs> welding or yeah you know I'm a kindergarten teacher yeah you, here's one by Dustin Carlson or I, whatever you teach and whatever subject area you're in you can go and listen to a podcast of what they've done in their classroom mm -hmm. because I think when we that first year when we started everybody was begging us for examples we didn't have any yeah we had to create examples and then that's when we got the ball rolling when we were able to be able to share with people like hey your colleague last year did this like oh that's cool now I can yeah. oh I can take that idea and I can add a little something to it for my next unit so there, there's just a lot of power it's it's that slow roll learning to learn and, mm -hmm. and growing and just moving forward and to continue that conversation for all of our educators and educators that listen to the podcast or anywhere you know around the country our grant at the end of this year will be up and it's some culminating event is going to be our Westside personalized summit uh, can you talk a little bit about how, like the vision behind writing that into the grant uh, and we'll kind of riff a little bit about the, the conference that we're going to host. Yeah, no, I'm super excited about the conference. And I think um, thanks to the Nebraska Department of Education, we have uh, been informed that we will get uh, the ability to have some sort of an extension. Uh, we don't know exactly what we're going to... Which is great. Yeah, that's good news. We, I don't know exactly what that means, but we'll, we will have uh, some capacity to, to continue um, next year. So it won't be the end of the grant. Uh, but originally sure. it was kind of written in to be like kind of the capstone experience is that we wanted to host this big learning opportunity because I think there's a lot of responsibility uh, to get a nice grant from the state of Nebraska, but to really share what you've learned and, and really you know, bring in others uh, because we've, we've, we've maybe done some of the heavy lifting I'd like to think around personalized learning, so let us help you and give you all the resources that we've developed. And so at the end of May there, and what, what are the dates, Andrew? You probably got them off the top of your yeah, head. May 29th and 30th. So May 29th and 30th at Westside High School, um, and it's $75. I mean, go, go Google how much a conference costs to go to. <laughs> this is two days with five national speakers, with a bunch of practitioners that are going to host sessions about what this work looks like in the classroom, you know, classroom tested, learner approved, as I like to say on the and, podcast, and, and lunch. I was going to just say, items. and lunch and breakfast and, and also swag. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and I would say maybe seven national presenters because... I, uh, I have talked Mr. Andrew Easton into oh, being gosh. our, he's going to be our keynote. <laughs> and just to give you guys like a little bit we of... We don't want to chase people away from the podcast. Yeah, no, no, no. They're, they're going to want to come. <laughs> I think attendance is going down. I, I'm just going to give you uh, one little hint of the keynote. Think Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> and that, that'll be my, my one little piece. But it, it's honestly going to be um, a, a really valuable two days, like I said, between keynote speakers people from uh, other districts. We are in a consortium with some other school districts around the country, and we've been meeting with them in the summers around personalized learning. So I know that we'll have some speakers from uh, Edina uh, up in Minnesota, Manhattan Beach out in California. I know that we've been out you know, re visiting with other folks from Wisconsin that have been very involved in personalized learning. They'll be doing the breakouts. We've got a, a ton of people from Westside, obviously, that we're really looking forward to hearing and, and sharing, again, from practitioners, specific examples and resources that you can go back and use. So, um, yeah, we've got a, I think our auditorium holds like a thousand. I, I don't know if we're hoping for that many. Um, oh, but, let's yeah. Let's <laughs> well, well, we'll see. We'll let's see settle down there. I know no, you're I know. excited. Very good. No, but we'll, but we want to have, uh, we want it to be big. We want it to be, you know, fun and a lot of learning that'll uh, be taking place during that. And 
again, just kind of the capstone to the real, kind of the two years of the grant, but also the you know the first five. five it's like years. a five-year yeah. uh, checkpoint for us in this journey. Uh, and I would add to that too that as far as our national presenters go, uh, we'll be excited to have Jim Rickabaugh, who really was instrumental in getting us uh, started with this work and establishing that why within our district. He is the senior advisor to the Institute for Personalized Learning out of Wisconsin. Uh, as you mentioned earlier, Bray McClaskey's work. Uh, so Kathleen McClaskey is going to be here speaking uh, because her book was um, pretty fundamental, like towards our. It was like, our textbook to start, at least. Yeah, yeah but this it, is where it, this it, is where we began. Like, it was published in December of our first year, so second semester we we were digging into that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so and we've had a chance to even present with Kathleen McClaskey, and she's great, and so really looking forward to having her. Uh, be out here and be a part of our summit experience. And then Andy McNair will be here as well, and Allison Zamuda. And so there's kind of, you know, I know Andy McNair with some Genius Hour projects and to kind of add that component to things. And Allison Zamuda has written on personalized learning and just does some great work also. And then uh, excited to bring Michael Matera in as well and his work with gamification. We've seen a lot of crossover at the secondary level in particular between personalized learning and gamification because that engagement piece plus the whether you want to call it a quest or a choice uh, there uh, are a lot of similarities between those two types of models and so it'll be fun to kind of have Michael in as well and so it's going to be great great time yeah is, is each one of those uh, I think they're all authors they're all national yeah. presenters and uh, yeah for two days they'll they'll be Hosts and the nice thing is, is they'll many of them are doing keynotes and they might do like another smaller breakout. Yeah, but they're going to be available for people to go and you know pick their brains a little bit, ask them questions. That's why they're there. So uh, I just guess want to close out the podcast by saying it, well two things. First of all, one, do you have any sort of I'll ask the question. Do you have any advice or things that you would sort of impart to people listening in who've kind of heard all of this? Yeah, and like, what's your kind of like takeaway from this five years? Uh, yeah, of time. I you know I would just say, and I always, I just think when you think about entering into personalized learning, a couple of things that I I just would caution people as they go into it is number one, it's not always going to be clean and easy. You're going to have difficult conversations with folks in your district about okay, what's required, what's not required. You know, one of our first you know couple of years in personalized learning, when we were doing our training, sometimes people would ask like, oh, I don't need to follow my curriculum map anymore. And that's not the case. Right. We really want you to look at and identify what are those things that are, you know, what, what Jim Rickabaugh calls uh, load-bearing and what's non-load-bearing. Uh, because standards, indicators, common assessments in our district, instructional routines, those things are tight. You don't have permission to move those and to personalize those items. But there's certainly other areas in your, your sequence that are, you it can be flexible. So make sure that you really recognize and have conversations with those on your teams and in your buildings and in your district to make sure that you know what's load-bearing and not load-bearing. And I would also just tell you that I think it's really been worth it. You know, those hard conversations. It's worth it for the kids, and I think it's worth it for the teachers. One of my favorite quotes was um, from a, a teacher at one of our elementary buildings that after really jumping into this with her and her teaching partner, she just you know, told me that the spark is back. Like, this is really fun. Kids love it. It's uh, meeting their needs. It's personalizing the learning. I'm not maybe wasting time instructing on something that a student, when they already know the information, because mm -hmm. I can challenge them and I can let them go deeper. So I definitely think it's worth it. And, you know, start small. That's the other thing. People like, oh, they, they might hear Andrew Easton's example and say, oh, my gosh, I can't do that. That's, that's really cool, but that's too much. It takes too much planning. Well, you know, Andrew started with one unit. You know, and a lot of the other teachers I've talked to, you know, they start with one day. Okay, I'll, I'm doing this unit tomorrow. I'm going to start small 
And, and the last thing I would say is that do it as a team. It's hard to do things you know, by yourself. Um, you know, I think it's so much more powerful to, to go into your collaborative teams and say, hey, let's, let's try some of these strategies, but let's plan them together. Let's do them together and then let's reflect on them later and, and let's see if they worked or not after you do it. So, so those would be a couple things I might end with uh, as you're thinking about going in this journey. Well, and I'm going to extend that out just very quickly and put you on the spot for one more then that you touched upon there, but I just want to accentuate. I think one of the challenges that we faced earlier uh, on and, and really once we started to scale things up in the past two years was to say that there's an and. and I, that's yours. Like you, you <laughs> that's my baby. Up, yeah, yeah. Because, at Nazem, uh, that's like you're excited. Yeah. You say you're excited and I say the end. No. <laughs> no, no. I, I love that there's not, we're not saying that you're going to personalize 100% of the time and that any practice that isn't is not something that we want to be about anymore. Uh, I, I would not advocate for that. That message has never been a part of anything that I've heard from leadership uh, and so, like you said, you can call, there are low bearing walls with regards to like standards and indicators and those types of things. But we also have initiatives like uh, instructional routines, which are called fundamental something. Uh, foundations and reading. Foundations and reading. Yeah. Okay. So we have foundations and reading, uh, which last night I was at home. So I'll just tell this quick aside. And my daughter who's seven and my son who's four were sitting down at this chalkboard and my daughter started to write words on the board. And she then was going through these like routines. Uh-huh. Uh, but sits down with him and goes, word, little, letter, L, I, T, T, L, E, word, little. <laughs> and like, and he's like, you know, like parroting these things back and she's taking, you know, for her playing teacher now is that practice. Uh, and I love that. You know, I, I've been in the classroom. I had a chance to lead that actually in kindergarten myself. It was really fun. Uh, so it's not to say, well, what's personalized about that? It's whole group core response. Shouldn't, aren't we talking about both sides of our mouth? No, there's an and. Like, it'd be great to have that piece continue to, because like, it works. Yeah. But there's also just needs to be opportunities because the whole goal is that we're fostering agency in learners. And so do you need to be fostering agency 100% of the time, all the time, every, no. Like, yep. There just has to be pockets and places of their experience in any day, in any you know years worth of, like where that part is something we're also focused in on growing. Yep. Uh, and so I don't know, I can no, I appreciate a lot that. of this and, but this is, no, this is something that I think really caused a little bit of strife at the beginning. Um, but just that simple idea, mm-hmm. I think simplified that down for us to say that we're not on different sides of the fence here. We're all going like, we have aspirations for the best. What's in the best interest of kids? Yeah, uh, and it and it is a well-rounded educational experience. Yeah, but I think a year and a half ago we kind of kicked off the administrator meeting really with that idea of the, the the genius of and the tyranny of or, and you know sometimes I think we always you know as people or educators or whatever we think that we have to choose between mm-hmm. two things and you know a lot of times and in the case I think with personalized learning the answer is that it's and. Do you want me to do you want me to do instructional routines or do you want me to do uh, personalized learning and it's not or it's and mm-hmm. that there's a place for both and and that's part of the role of the collaborators is to, I think to help teachers see the and and recognize that it's not the or yeah absolutely yeah. so uh so way back about two minutes ago in the podcast I said I had two things to bring up so my oh, yeah. second one is just going to be thanks for all your work uh with putting oh. this stuff together thanks for the vision that you had with all this and the way that it's rolled out uh, I would say I've really appreciated our collaboration, your support of our initiative. Oh, thanks. Uh, and this has just been uh, a really rewarding experience that I am able to wake up every day, passionately go about trying to share stuff that I that I care about, uh, and see 
you know, real meaningful change across our yeah. district has just been inspiring to me uh, and a whole lot of fun. Well, your enthusiasm shows and Katie and Kristen and the team, I mean, it's such a, a wonderful team. And, and I would just say that, you know, really, I think it was the vision of the community, you know, and that's what, that's what makes it cool. You know, I once had somebody ask me like, oh, did you bring this with you from another district? And no, I had to learn it, <laughs> yeah. uh, learn it fresh because it's what our community wanted us to do. And I think, I think we hit a home run uh, mm-hmm. based on um, what the community asked for. And I think that we'll, we'll keep moving and growing and, and, you know, and we're working with our new teachers when they come in. And I think it's just been one of the more fun things I've done in my career, actually, Andrew, So uh, because of you guys. So that, that's a good little feel-good for everybody there at the yeah, end, of, end of our podcast. Well, Mark, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate uh, you taking you know, a few moments out of your busy schedule to kind of share with everybody what this has uh, been for you in your role you know, in the midst of all this. The podcast really tries to show all the different levels and, and contributors to what we've done here in this district. And yours have been instrumental, so glad to finally have you on the podcast. No, super fun. Thanks for doing it. All right. We'll talk again soon. Yep. Well, that's a wrap on another great episode. For more information or to contact us directly, you can email our team at personalized.learning at westside66.net. As always, thanks for tuning in and learning from the Westside Personalized Podcast.